You're listening to Radio Looks Looks Solicit. I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 55, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in the LGBT Agenda. So thanks for uh, joining me here late on a, well, I was going to say late on a Saturday. I guess it's really actually early on a Sunday. It's 1230 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And I'm sitting here doing my podcast for the week. And yes, I know, it's another one of these weeks where I get in doing this later than what I wanted to. Um, but uh, thanks to uh, uh, those who are uh, watching the, uh, the, live, uh, the live stream. And uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. And uh, tonight I've got a, a few things I'd like to talk about. But before I get to all of that, you know, just to kind of kind of get going here. Yeah, you know, this has been a really uh, very odd week weather-wise. Where where I am here in in Cincinnati, we had a uh, we actually had snow. Uh, believe it or not, snow was on it was the twenty first of April. So we had it was a more month into spring. We had snow on uh, on Wednesday. We had about two inches of snow overnight on Wednesday, and it was on the ground when I got up Wednesday morning. And about six hours later, it was it was all gone. It was all melted. And then the Wednesday night, Thursday morning, we had a, we had freezing temperatures again. We actually had a really little light dusting of snow. So we had a couple of days of snow this week. And then today, I want to go out. I want to go ride, ride my bike. I like to go out and, and ride on Saturdays. And sure enough, it decides for the third Saturday in a row to spend most of the day raining. So I didn't get to ride my bike either. So I was, was kind of disappointed with that. But, uh, well, anyway, uh, it was a good day overall. And I uh, got uh, got a lot of stuff done, but I didn't get to my podcast as soon as I wanted to. But I'm getting to it now, so it's uh, it's great. Uh, I guess what do they say? Better late than never. Um, something else here that's kind of interesting that that's coming up very soon are cicadas. Now you know if you live in a, an area of the country, maybe that uh, that you well you've never had cicadas before. Yeah, you know, maybe that's uh, not a. Uh, you, you don't know what that's like now. If you've been, if you do live in an area where you had cicadas, and it probably tends to be the eastern half of the United States, I don't need to introduce introduce you to the seventeen year cicadas. I don't need to do that because you know what they're like. But if you live in a part of the country where you don't get these things, or maybe if you're too young to remember the last time they came, which was two thousand four. Um, I guess the best way I can describe them to you is it's kind of like, I guess it's kind of like a, uh, like a, like an Old Testament style plague. Okay. You know, you read about those locust plagues and that, that they had in the Old Testament. I think it's probably something similar to that. And, and I found an article. It's kind of interesting here. It was in a local Washington, DC, uh, television station and they, they interview uh, an entomologist somebody who studies insects and she talks a little bit about this and she said that the cicadas will begin to emerge uh, emerge uh, at the beginning of may so we're maybe about a week or two off from these things coming out and it's kind of interesting here she also says that uh, maybe you've seen some small holes a patch of small holes in the ground and these are holes the cicadas have preemptively dug to tunnel through when the ground temperature is just right uh, and apparently these cicadas, they have to wait until the ground temperature is 64 degrees, eight inches down in the soil. And as soon as it hits 64, bam, these things come out. And as this article goes on to say, there are millions of these things in, in just a few acres. I mean, and, and so, the, so, I mean, when you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, how many cicadas are there in a, in a full cicada infestation with this? I don't know. There's, there could be a billion cicadas. Uh, in the Cincinnati area, um, when this whole thing really gets rolling next month, and and the thing about these cicadas is they're they're pretty big bugs. They're about the size of your thumb, and they got these these really kind of freaky red eyes. Um, that's a couple things about them. Uh, they're not aggressive insects. I mean, they don't bite you. They don't sting you. So I mean, at least we can be thankful they're they're not like that. But they are really loud. And one of the things this, uh, the entomologist that they interview here says is that these uh, males have this, this mating call that they make, you know, they, uh, this kind of scratchy, uh, sound that they make. And it says they, she estimates here that a male cicada can reach up to 100 decibels. So, I mean, if you've got millions of these things in a few acres and you've got a bunch of males out there, uh, cranking it out at 100 decibels, these things get pretty loud. And that's one of the things that I really remember about the cicadas is just how loud they are. 
And uh, anyway, so they 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 do their thing, and uh, usually they they're out of here. I don't know what is it about six weeks or six eight weeks, something like that. So. Thankfully, we'll be done with these things. I think we should be done with them by the end of June, I guess, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Anyway, but uh, they, they are quite memorable, and uh, we're on the very cusp of, uh, of getting these things. So I'm sure I'll be talking about that uh, here sometime in the not too, not too distant future. All right, so you know, I, I wasn't actually going to talk about the particular subject that I, I was, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about. I hadn't originally planned on doing this. I was going to actually talk some about immigration and I wanted to talk specifically about, um, some documents that the Roman Catholic Church has produced on immigration and kind of in, in that I think are very interesting and, and I think very enlightening as far as why the Roman Catholic Church works so hard to promote mass migration, immigration, and refugee resettlement. And there are definite theological reasons why they do that. They're erroneous reasons. They're false reasons. Um, they're rooted in the church's false theology, and they're the false theology of the church causes them to take political and economic stances that are also uh, contrary to scripture. And I do want to talk about that. Uh, Lord willing, I hope to be able to talk about that some next week. But there's a, another story that, that had caught my mind, caught my attention. And actually, I noticed this last week. And it, it's something that I wanted to speak to because I think this is a pretty important issue. I came across the story actually a bit, uh, a bit by accident. There was, uh, at, uh, I, I was just searching the internet and I happened to see this this headline, you know, you've got these kind of like these news aggregators and I was on a, I think it was actually at work and I, I happened to see this, this headline and it, it caught my attention. And I, I had to click on it because the, the headline re read, read this. It said, mayor roasted for honoring church with anti-gay history says he'd do it again. But I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. I, I wonder what that is. I wonder what church they're talking about. So I opened this thing up. And it turns out that it's this article. It was an article on uh, it was on MSNBC, but the article itself is actually from the the Sun Sentinel. It's a newspaper in Florida. In fact, let me go ahead and see if we can share this here. Just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and get that shared. All right, there we go. Yeah, you can see the headline here. Mayor Rosa for honoring church with anti-gay history says he'd do it again. Well, and I come to find out, and, and, and I was a little bit shocked to see this, but the the church with the, the anti-gay agenda, according to the headline, is actually Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Now, just to let you know, I, I have a little bit of connection with, with Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. I was back in, in 2006, um, for one semester, I was a student at uh, Knox Theological Seminary, which is actually literally right across the, the street, right across Federal Highway from the uh, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church campus. So directly across the street, and in Knox Presbyterian or, or Knox uh, Theological Seminary, actually reported, and I, I imagine probably still does, but I know back in that day, um, it reported it was it was reported to the session of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. It was essentially an extension of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Uh, D. James Kennedy was the chancellor of the uh, of Knox Theological Seminary, and of course he was also the the senior minister at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church for many many years. So let's uh, read read this article a little bit. And I want to discuss some things because there were there were some things here that that really concerned me, and and I'd like to be able to talk through a little bit of this here. So here's uh, I'm just going to read the article here a bit. It says it wasn't just another church that Mayor Dean Trantalis Trantalis. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Honored last month, it was a church he had picketed against 30 years ago over anti-gay rhetoric from its late founder. That's referring to to D. James Kennedy. And for that, he's been vilified in recent weeks by the gay press, which objected to the mayor honoring Corridge Presbyterian Church from the official proclamation on March 16th. Uh, Trantalis, Fort Lauderdale's first openly gay mayor, fully expected the backlash he told the South Florida Sun Sentinel on Wednesday, but he would do it all over again. Trantalis still recalls all the bad things the church had to say about gay men. The church was saying we were child molesters, he said, that we needed to choose Christ over our hedonism. And through conversion therapy, we'd be saved. They were against same-sex couples, gay adoptions, you name it. But that was then, he says. 
To me, building bridges is more important than holding on to old grudges, Trantalis said. And if there's one thing we learned in the past four years, the dark side of life does not bring a community forward. It only breeds more division and mistrust. We need to grow as a society, and the only way to do that is to start talking to one another. With that in mind, Trentalis issued a joint statement with lead pastor Rob Pacienza uh, this week saying that they are intent on building bridges in the spirit of forgiveness and friendship. And the article continues here some, and, uh, oh goodness, let's see here. Um, oh yeah, here's, here's something else. Uh, it says, Vice Mayor Heather, Heather uh, Moritis, who attends Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church along with her family, requested the proclamation to honor the church's 60th anniversary. So Coral Ridge was founded in, I guess, not 1960, 1961, uh, and this was the 60th anniversary of, of the founding of the church. And uh, she goes on to say this, I understand if there's still some mistrust and reservations about Coral Ridge, she said Wednesday. We need to come together and work alongside one another. I do want to make this the best city for the LGBTQ community to live and, th- uh, to, live and to thrive. I do believe we can work alongside each other. So anyway, what I'd like to do is go through and... and uh, and break down, break break this down a little bit. Now, uh, one thing I do want to say here in advance is I'm not I'm not close to the situation uh, in going on at at Corridge Presbyterian Church. I haven't been there for 15 years, so what I I came across I've I've come across like I say I found the story by accident, and and on top of that, you know I've I've done some research on my own. So, you know, from what I've been at, what I'm going to do is relate to you the way things appear to me based upon my research. Now, it's, it's possible. Maybe I've missed something. Uh, maybe I've misunderstood something. But, but I, I think we can make some, some pretty clear statements here about, about what's going on. I'm, I'm willing to, to take a stand on that. So let's, let's, uh, let's read, let's read through here. Um, you know, one of the things, of course, that, that comes to my mind, you know, when I, when I read this, this particular piece is, you know, I ask myself, has Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church caved into the gay agenda? And based on what I'm seeing here in, in this article and some other articles that I've, I've looked at, and we'll, t- we'll take a look um, at, at at least one more here as we, dis- as we discuss this, but the answer appears to be yes, uh, to some degree that they have. Um, and, you know, there's that, that paragraph that I just read to you here uh, from the article. It says, with that in mind, Trantalis issued a joint statement with lead pastor Rob Pacienza this week, saying they are intent on building bridges in the spirit of forgiveness and friendship. Well, um, you know, I, I would ask this question, you know, when, where in the scriptures are, we ever, are Christians ever called to, to build bridges uh, with the wicked? Uh, where are they called to seek forgiveness? Of, of those people who, who practice evil. And, and the, you know, the, the homosexual agenda is, is very clearly anti-Christian. Uh, it, it's condemned time and time again in the scriptures. This isn't something that's, that's pr- particularly difficult. I mean, when you read that, that, that sentence again, you, you see this. It says, with that in mind, Tritalis issued a joint statement with lead pastor Rob Pacienza this week saying they're intent on building bridges in the spirit of forgiveness and friendship. Now, do the mayor and and uh, Pastor Pacienza do they think Coral Ridge needs to apologize for the church's past opposition to the homosexual agenda? I mean, D. James Kennedy was absolutely right to oppose uh, the the evil of the homosexual agenda, but it it certainly seems, based on on what's being said here, that that Coral Ridge does seem to think that there's something that needs to be apologized for. Now, one of the odd things uh, about you know, and and I did. I did a fair amount of research on this, trying to find some statements by Rob Pacienza on on homosexuality and on this proclamation and, and his relationship with uh, the mayor, uh, Dean Trantalis. I couldn't find anything. Now, you know, again, maybe maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's something out there that that he's come out and, and said that that I haven't seen. I mean, I, I, I did a, a web search. You know, I searched the... Uh, uh, the website of the church. I went to the church's Facebook page. You know, I, I just don't see it. Now, maybe again, maybe there's something out there, but I, I don't see it anywhere. And I would assume that in this article, they would have at least sought to get a quote from him. Uh, but it, it doesn't say that anywhere here. Um, 
But yeah, D. James Kennedy was absolutely right to oppose the homosexual agenda. There's no, there's no question about that. You know, as, as Paul wrote to the Romans, he says, and likewise also be men, leaving, or he, this, is, this is Paul in Romans chapter 1, and, and he's talking about the, the, uh, those who practiced evil in his day. And, he's, and, and, and Paul said this, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust toward one another, men with men working, which, was, which is unseemly and receiving in, in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Now, there are lots of passages in, in Scripture that uh, that very clearly condemn homosexuality. We're going to look at another one later in in uh, in First Corinthians chapter six. Uh, you see it in the New Testament. You see it in the Old Testament. The message of the Bible is consistent uh, on this. And you, you don't have to be somebody at the level of uh, of say Martin Luther or a John Calvin or a Gordon Clark. Uh, to to understand this, I mean, this is something that that is is pretty clear, and I, I think that any of us, even somebody who you know maybe only knows a little bit about the Bible, but has read the Bible and, and has read it uh, truthfully, uh, you, you can't miss this. I mean, the Bible condemns the sin of homosexuality. And, and there's no question about that. This this isn't hard. This isn't difficult. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't speak with uh, uh, out of both sides of its mouth. It's very clear on the issue. Um, and, and there should be no. And, and, and Corowich has nothing to apologize for. And but yet it appears that that's the stance that they're taking. Now this is interesting here. And I read you this quote. But I want to go back and revisit here. It, it uh, the article in the Sun Sentinel talks about Vice Mayor uh, Heather uh, Moritis, who attends. Uh, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, um, who attends Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church along with her family. And she had requested this proclamation from the mayor. And let me read to you again what she said here. She said, I understand if there's still some mistrust and reservations about Coral Ridge, she said Wednesday. We need to come together and work alongside one another. I do want to make this the best city for the LGBTQ community to live and to thrive. I do believe we can work alongside each other. Now, there are, there's a lot going on here, and let's maybe unpack her statement a little bit. Um, one thing to point out, and, and I know this, I, I can't pass over this. This is something I have to speak about. Now, this is a woman who you know, certainly claims uh, to be a Christian, apparently, um, and yet she's not ashamed to take a position of political leadership. Now there was a time when when a Christian woman would have have thought that that's something that's that's inappropriate uh, for a woman to do. Uh, you know, apparently she's never heard of or has disbelieved John Knox's brilliant case uh, against women in positions of political authority. You know, there was a, a probably the single most politically incorrect treatise that has ever been written uh, by anybody. Uh, was a, uh, a piece that he wrote back in the 1500s, and it was called The First Blast of the Trumpet Against the Monstrous Regiment of Women. And he, he was very clear and made a very powerful biblical case in there against uh, putting a, a woman uh, at, at the head of a city or, or of a nation. He said it's something contumelious uh, to God, etc., etc., etc. And he proved this from the Scripture. Um, but yet this, this Christian, this person who claims to be a Christian, she's not ashamed to, to take a position of, of vice mayor. So there's, there's a problem right there, but she goes on and, and she, she makes, she proceeds to state that she wants to make Fort Lauderdale the best city for the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. Now, I'm not sure exactly what she has in mind there. But I think it's pretty obvious that she doesn't have in mind taking a, a biblical stance on the sin of homosexuality. Uh, that's that seems to be nowhere in her uh, uh, in in her vision, uh, from what I can tell here. Now, one of the things you know the uh, the article in the Sun Sentinel talked about it talked about there being a joint statement that was issued. Um, by this Dean Trantalis, the first openly gay mayor of, of Fort Lauderdale, and um, the um, the pastor at uh, at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, and I I, I looked around and I, I'm not sure, but I, I think that this is the statement. This is something you can actually find on the uh, Fort Lauderdale uh, government website. It's a it's an article. It's called "Founding Finding Common Ground Amid a Diverse Community," and he goes on here to talk about some things, and but and here's here's uh, 
I think maybe the, uh, the, the money quote here for those of us who are, are interested in, in some of this, or at least maybe this is a, a, an important point. This is uh, Dean Trantalis writing. He says, I'll share one story in particular, that of my late friend and colleague, J- colleague Justin uh, uh, Flippin. He died tragically a year ago while mayor of Winton Manors. He told me how he underwent two years of conversion therapy at Coral Ridge when he was in high school. Simply put, that was wrong. So, you know, the, I guess, Coral Ridge, you know, uh, seeking to to get this uh, fellow when he was a young man to, to repent of his sins was wrong, that, uh, that uh, they, were, they were wrong about that. Um, but uh, the mayor goes on to say, but Fort Lauderdale is an evolving community. Coral Ridge's current pastor, Rob Pacienza, readily joined my interfaith effort to have other evangelical Christians, such as uh, uh, Stefan uh, Chavijan of the National Christian Foundation, Eddie Copeland of Church United, still have leaders of LGBT-affirming religious institutions, the Sunshine Cathedral, the Church of the Holy, so- Holy, S- Holy Spirit Song, and Etz Chaim Synagogue. So, you know, here he's, he's joining, you know, this, uh, this pastor at, at Coral Ridge. He's joining with these, these unbelieving organizations, uh, along with an openly gay mayor, uh, as part of an interfaith effort. Now, again, where in, where in, in the New Testament does it ever tell any Christian, uh, any minister of the gospel, any elder, any, any deacon, um, anyone who's a Christian to to join in interfaith efforts to you know advance some particular political or social cause. It, it, it doesn't say that anywhere. Quite obviously, I mean the you know in uh, in Ephesians, I mean Paul talks about you know have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So as Christians, we're not to to have fellowship with these other kinds of groups with unbelievers. But but we are to rebuke them, we are to correct them, we are to instruct them from the Word of God. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's hate. Well, no, that, that's not hate. Telling people the truth is not hate. Uh, telling people the truth is what we're commanded to do as Christians, as good Christian soldiers. We're commanded to speak the truth. We're commanded to speak the truth, each man to his neighbor. We're commanded not to bear false witness. You know, and, and when we do these things, when we, we unite in fellowship and interfaith dialogue and all this other stuff with unbelievers, what we're doing is we're actually sharing in their sins. Now, you think about there's that, um, it's in, it's in Second John, and uh, John uh, talks about, you know, that if anyone doesn't bring the doctrine of Christ, you know, don't greet him in the marketplace, don't uh, invite him into your house. For he who greets him shares in his sins. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I have enough sins of my own that I don't need to share in somebody else's sins. Yeah, I have enough stuff to repent of myself that, that I don't need to, to take on somebody else's sins uh, in, in addition to my own. You know, as Christians, we are to reject this kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's especially when it's coming from people who claim to know God, and and who do not and and who deliberately misrepresent his word, you know, with these other, uh, you know, with a, a Jewish organization, with these these other uh, LGBT affirming uh, religious organizations. These are organizations with whom, with whom Christians should have no fellowship. And it's not because we hate them. We don't hate them. We're not called to hate them. What we do is we're called to preach the truth. Now, some people think that's hate. Uh, that is not hate. Uh, that is obeying God. And the, uh, they, they continue here. It says, together we've made much progress because we understand that there is more that unites us than divides us. False. No, there isn't. There is an enormous gulf between biblical Christianity and the, uh, the LGBTQ affirming religious institutions. It's a chasm. It's bigger than the Grand Canyon. It's, far, it's as far as the East is from the West. There's nothing that we have in common, theologically. Now, you know, as, as Christians, we want to be able to reach out, to teach, to preach the gospel. We want to pray for those people who are, are unbelievers. Uh, we definitely want to do that, but we do not have fellowship with them. We don't have fellowship with them. This is not a difficult point, but yet it's something that... Um, 
formerly, or at least, you know, churches that we all thought were sound at one point are really struggling with. And he continues, in the spirit of wanting to move away from the past and look for ways to bring a community together, Pastor Pacienza and I agreed to put, da- put down a writing a joint statement regarding our work together. It follows. And I'll just read through this here. A joint statement from Dean J. Uh, Trentalis, uh, mayor of Fort Lauderdale, and Rob Pacienza, lead pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. For the past four years, Mayor Trentalis has been working on a multi-faith effort to increase understanding and find opportunities for cooperation within the Fort Lauderdale community where they did not exist before. As pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, Rob Pacienza has played a prominent role in these discussions. These meetings brought together a wide variety of religious views from evangelical Christianity Christianity to denominations that are LGBT affirming. Mayor Trentalis and Pastor Pestienza affirm that they are committed to continuing this bridge building. We recognize that too often our differences have led to unnecessary divisions and even hurt. We need to move forward in a spirit of forgiveness and friendship. The mayor and pastor believe in a future of mutual respect that includes a respect for the rights and religious practices of everyone. We seek a community that accepts the true meaning of tolerance for all, a willingness to accept behavior and beliefs different from your own. Differing opinions and values are ever-present in a diverse city like Fort Lauderdale. That's part of our beauty. We also live in a country that values both the citizens' freedom to believe and act according to their conscience and the citizens' right to exercise their religious faith freely. There is more that unites us than divides us. We pledge to continue to find areas of common ground where we can work together to make Fort Lauderdale a great place to live, work, and raise a family. We all see a vast need in our community to ensure the most vulnerable are cared for. We look look forward to working together to extend real hope to everyone who calls Fort Lauderdale home. That's signed by Dean J. Uh, Trentalis, Mayor, and Rob Pacienza, Pastor. And it continues, I look forward to continuing this effort on behalf of our city. I'm pleased to say also that our city continues to make great progress on the mass vaccination necessary to move beyond the existing COVID-19 restrictions. Okay, so this is a bunch of, bunch of COVID stuff down here. Um, but anyway, that, that, was the, uh, that was the main statement there. So they, they want to build bridges. Well, uh, again, where in the New Testament? Now, I, I, would, I would, and I ask this very seriously, where in the New Testament or the Old Testament, where in the 66 books of the infallible, inerrant word of God, does it say anywhere or imply anywhere where, where uh, Christians are, are called to, to build bridges um, with communities that, that reject his counsel? Now, again, we're called to, to preach to them. We're called to preach repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. We are called to do that. You know, Christ said, go into all the world and preach. You know, and, and one of the things, you know, I was thinking a little bit about this. Of course, the, the, the world into which the, the first Christians went was a uh, remarkably sinful place. I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I think maybe people in our time, maybe we have a sort of romanticized, uh, sanitized vision of, uh, of Greece and Rome, but the, the world uh, into which the early Christians uh, carried the gospel was exceedingly sinful, exceedingly so. Um, it was, was openly, I mean, there was, there was open homosexuality, there was open prostitution, there was, was every kind of just serious sexual sin uh, imaginable. And, I mean, some of this, uh, it's kind of interesting, uh, was uh, some, some of the knowledge of some of this came about at the, the excavation of, uh, of uh, Pompeii and Herculaneum. You may recall back in AD 79 that, you know, that's when Mount Vesuvius erupted and it, it uh, I guess there was all that volcanic ash that came upon the cities very suddenly and it almost just flash froze everything in time. And when archaeologists first came and started excavating um, these areas, and this was in the late 1700s, they were scandalized by some of the stuff that they found. I mean, some of the statuary, some of the, the wall frescoes were exceedingly obscene. And, and people didn't expect that. You know, I, I guess they expected it to be you know, to find, I don't know, philosophical treatises by Plato and Aristotle and, and, and this kind of thing. And, you know, and instead they found all of this, uh, they found, well, I don't know how much of it, but they did find it, you know, a considerable body of, of pretty, uh, pretty vulgar things. Um, and that I think would even you know, cause a lot of people in our time to maybe blush and be embarrassed. Um, and that's not surprising because it was a pagan world. 
But I mean, where anywhere did Paul ever say, you know, go out and, uh, you know, and, and ask forgiveness for, for being, being harsh and, and, and to build bridges? No, he told people to go out to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul used some very pointed language when, uh, when, when, talking about, when talking about sin. I'm talking about the sin of homosexuality. Here's here's an example of that, and this is this is one from from First Corinthians six nine to eleven, and and it's it's very pointed, and it's also at the same time I think very hopeful, and it also refutes a lot of the nonsense that is is put forth uh, by the uh, the LGBT activists in our own time as well. Let me read this here for you. This is First Corinthians six nine to eleven. And uh, it reads thus, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor adulterers, nor neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Now, th- this passage has tremendous application to our own time. So let's just kind of, let's start there at the, at the beginning of the passage. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? You know, I mean, it's it's uh, hard to convince people today that, that anybody's going to go to hell. You know, I mean, we kind of have this theology of it's sort of this all dogs go to heaven. Uh, kind of theology. Well, that's not true. Uh, Jesus said, you know, narrow is the way, uh, you know, the, the broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way, you know, and few who find it, um, you know, that, that, that lead to salvation. There are a lot of people who are going to go to hell. And, and Paul lists out some of the reasons why they will go to hell. Uh, but one of the things here, too, and before we get into to some of that, note, too, that Paul says, do not be deceived. Now, this is a repeated warning that you see in Scripture. You know, Jesus told his, his disciples, uh, I think on more than one occasion, don't be deceived. It's very important that we not be deceived. You know, and when you see a warning that, that, that comes that, that often, I think we need to stop and pay attention, make sure that we're not being deceived. Because, you know, you and I, I mean, we live in a, a time... I'm speaking here specifically as Americans. You know, we are subjected to some of the most uh, mind-altering propaganda that maybe anybody anywhere has ever been subjected to. I mean, you see it in in the culture, whether it's in the music, the movies, the TV shows. You get it from the uh, the mainstream media. You know, whether you're talking about uh, television news or print media, you know, like the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, Time Magazine you know, organizations like this, um, we are constantly lied to and deceived and sold, sold an agenda. You know, this whole COVID thing is a gigantic hoax. You know, we're, we're constantly told, you know, how great our economy is doing and things are, are getting better and better. Well, that's a giant hoax. You know, we're, we're constantly lied to. This country is broke financially and it's getting more bankrupt by the day. And there's going to come a point where that's going to become evident to everybody. But the, the media constantly wants to paint this picture. Oh, everything's going to be great. Hey, we're reopening after COVID, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's another hoax. You know, the, the 2020 presidential election was the biggest hoax I've ever seen in politics. I mean, the, the Democrats very obviously stole that election. They did that. Um, you know, personally, I, I think that was just a kind of a rerun of the good, good old 19th century um, Tammany Hall uh, sort of uh, corruption. You know, it's the kind of stuff that uh, the Presbyterian minister Samuel D. Burchard called rum Romanism and rebellion. Uh, and, and when when Burchard, Burchard, you know, he talked about the party whose antecedents have been rum rose, Romanism and rebellion. Well, he was talking about the Democrats. And, and that is what they are. I mean, Burchard was exactly 100% on target with that. So, I mean, the, the 2020 presidential election, yeah, that was a massive hoax. No question about that. So, I mean, you, you got the COVID hoax. You got the election hoax. And, and you've got all these, these hoaxes that we see constantly in the media. I mean, for instance, one of the, the big hoaxes that you have going around right now is that the United States is just filled with all this white supremacy and racism. Well, you know what? I mean, there, there, there is racism out there. I mean, I'm not going to say there's no racism in this country. There is. 
But, you know, in, in terms of the, the kinds of things that they're talking about, the kinds of uh, white supremacist racism and violence and all this, that's a complete hoax. The violence, the hatred, and the real racism is, on, is coming from the, the progressives, coming from organizations like Antifa. It's coming from organizations like Black Lives Matter. It's coming from organizations like the New York Times and others in, in schools and universities that push critical race theory. That is racism. Um, the, the violence that has gone on. I mean, you've got Christopher Ray, the FBI, and all these the, the, these people out there just looking and, and, and talking about all this, this violent white supremacy out there. And you look around there, well, where? Where? You know, what I do see are plenty of images of, of uh, Antifa burning down Portland and Seattle and, and other cities. And I see riots all over the place by uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, I don't see a bunch of white supremacists out there doing this stuff. Uh, I mean, that's a hoax. It's a hoax and a lie and a scam and a sham. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that the news media uh, and, and, again, the entertainment, what have you, they're trying to deceive you. You know, and as Christians, we're, we're commanded by the Apostle Paul right here, don't be deceived. So, I mean, it's very important that we as Christians are not deceived. So, with that said, you know, Paul goes here and he lists a, a number of different ca- uh, types of people who are, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He talks about fornicators, he talks about uh, idolaters, he talks about adulterers. So, I mean, uh, there, it's, it's not just homosexuals and sodomites uh, that, are, that are left out of this. He talks about a whole category of people, but let's focus on there. He says, you know, neither fornicators nor idolaters, let me try that again, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, etc. So let's go focus in on that, that homosexuals and sodomites. Now, you might be a little curious, you know, well, you know, he says homosexuals and sodomites. This is the New King James translation here. So why would the translation list two words? You see homosexuals and sodomites, and you say, well, aren't those kind of synonymous? Well, um, they actually translate very different Greek words. The, the word that's translated homosexuals here is... Uh, is uh, uh, Malakos or Malakois, um, I think it is in the the, the plural. Um, but uh, Malakos, and that, that in Greek it means soft or effeminate. And if if you look at the New King James Bible, it gives a a, a, col- a note in the the column to the right. Uh, another translation that could be used for that word is catamite, and that is a a a male homosexual who submits to to homosexual acts. In other words, something that would be considered a passive male homosexual, someone on whom the act is performed. Uh, now, the term sodomites here is uh, the Greek word that, that underlies that is arsenokoites. And, and the literal translation of that is a man better. And, and what that meant is that that was the, the active male homosexual, the one who was performing the act. So Paul makes this distinction. One of the reasons he did that is because back in the ancient Greek world, uh, Greco-Roman world, it was actually a big deal. They, there was a big, sharp distinction. You know, the the uh, the Malakos was somebody who was effeminate and uh, and soft, whereas the the Arsenokoites that was a that was a very manly thing to be. I'm not saying I agree with this, but this was just the view of of the ancient world. And so Paul condemns both of these. He says they're both wrong. In, in both uh, classes of people, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and then, uh, it, but then Paul continues, and this is one of my favorite, and, and, and this just, 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 just this one verb, this tense of this one verb, just blows away all the, the LGBT uh, nonsense that, that we're constantly subjected to. This, this one verb does, and it says here, um, you know, and such were some of you. You know, some of you were fornicators. Some of you were idolaters. Some of you were adulterers and homosexuals and, and sodomites and thieves and covetous and drunkards. You, some of you did all of this stuff. You remember, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and, 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 and Corinth was especially famous in the ancient world for being really um, uh, degenerate. Now, I mean, the whole Roman Empire as a whole was, was pretty degenerate. So, I mean, if, if, if you've got a reputation within the Roman world as being, hey, those guys are really degenerate, you know they're bad. 
you know this was 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 uh was a real uh was a real moral cesspool so i mean it, the, even within the roman world you know the, the the corinth i mean they were considered to be pretty far down maybe at the bottom of uh uh of the uh, uh on the morality scale uh even by the uh, the low standards of the of the roman empire in the first century he said, and such were some of you. So there were all of these people uh, who came from these, these terrible backgrounds who were washed, uh, who were sanctified, who were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. This is the power of the gospel. It's the power of, you know, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And it takes sinners like you and me and, and other people with, with some of these other really serious sins, and it brings them from a state of condemnation into uh, being adopted as uh, as children of God. And, and that's an, an amazing and a wonderful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ has. You know, the, the homosexual lobby wants to say, oh, well, you have this sexual orientation. And what they mean by that is you were born this way, and that's just the way you are. You know, to try to change somebody from being homosexual is like trying to say, you know, for... Um, you know, me to change the color of my eyes or the color of my hair or the color of my skin um, or, or something like that uh, or something that's, that's indelibly me. You know, I, I, I can't change who I am and who my parents are or who my ethnicity or what my racial background is. I can't change any of these things. And, and the homosexuals, they want to argue that, that, well, it's the same way with the homosexual, homosexuality. You just are what you are. And it's, it's not only impossible to, to change someone, they want to tell you, um, but it's not even morally right to try to do so. You know, and that's what this, this one guy, um, yeah, this, uh, this uh, late, this Justin uh, uh, Flippin said, he said, um, this is the mayor, Mayor Dean uh, Trentalis talking. He says, Justin Flippin, he died tragically a year ago while mayor of Wilton Manors. He told me how he underwent two years of conversion therapy at Coral Ridge when he was in high school. Simply put, that was wrong. Well, it wasn't wrong. Now, I, I don't know about the specific therapy that he underwent, but it's not wrong for Christians to minister to homosexuals and call them to repentance. That's what we are called to do. Um, you know, and, and this, this passage that Paul writes to me, he says, and such were some of you, that completely refutes this idea that, that being homosexual is something that's permanent, that's indelible, that's something who you are. Homosexuality is a behavior. You know, it's not a defining characteristic of somebody. It is a behavior. It is a sinful behavior. Just like all of these other behaviors that Paul talks about. I mean, he talks about uh, fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and thieves and covetous and drunkards. You don't, and all of this stuff. Well, these are all behaviors. And that includes homosexuality, um, whether you're an active or a passive male homosexual. It includes those things. You know, there was a, a guy, uh, this. Uh, Pete uh, Buttigieg character. Um, he ran for president as a Democrat. Um, I guess that was back in 2020. Uh, as, as a Democrat, he ran, and and he had. Let's see here. See if I can find this. I always love when you try to do one thing and you do something else. Okay, here we go. Um, so yeah, when when uh, Pete Buttigieg, when he was running as a Democrat, uh, he was uh, at the time he was mayor of uh, of Gary, Indiana, and and he apparently wanted to go out and attack Mike Pence, who was Trump's vice president, and and you may recall Mike Pence was also before he became vice president, uh, he was uh, the governor of Indiana. So these two apparently they, they have had some kind of interaction in the past. They were both from Indiana, and and this is what Pete Buttigieg said to Mike Pence. And he said, he told Mike Pence, he says, if, if you have a problem with who I am, your problem is not with me. Your, your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. So, I mean, you know, here's, here's Pete Buttigieg up there kind of huffing and puffing and, and saying, well, you know, this is who I am. You know, I'm, I'm a homosexual. And if, if you don't like that, you know, your problem isn't with me. It's, it's, it's with God. And that's what he's telling to Mike Pence. Now, you know, that can sound a little bit intimidating. I mean, Pete, Pete Buttigieg, I mean, he's, he's a very smart man. You know, he's a, he's a Harvard grad, uh, very well-educated, uh, very well-spoken. Um, he's probably, 
was, I would say, the best speaker. I mean, just in terms of his uh, his ability as a public speaker, he's probably the best public speaker of any of the, the candidates that were running, Republican or Democrat, back in 2020. Um, he, he speaks very, very well. He can sound very persuasive. But this is a lot of nonsense. And you can tell it's nonsense just by plugging in another word. So it's, suppose I would argue like this and say, I'm a thief. That's just the way God made me. You know, I, I steal things for a living. It's just what I do. And if you have a problem with that, your problem isn't with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. Because that's just the way God made me. Well, I mean, if I tried to argue that way, you'd say, well, Steve, that's ridiculous. And, and it is ridiculous. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I just like to steal things. I'm a thief. That's what I am. That's how I roll, you know. And hey, you got a problem with that? Well, your problem's with God because that's the way he made me. And, and that's the exact same argument that Pete Buttigieg is using here. But we know from the scriptures that that's a lie. Because it's not just the way he is. That, that is a behavior that he chooses to engage in. And he is called by God to repent of that and to have faith in Christ. He has an obligation before God to do that. And if he does not do that, he will spend an eternity in hell. And I don't care how eloquent he is. It's not going to get him out of that. He will not inherit the kingdom of God. And don't be deceived. He will not inherit it. Now, he claims to be a Christian, which makes it even worse for him. I mean, it'd be one thing, you know, if he were some pagan who'd never heard the name of Christ and, and was engaged in these things. I mean, it would be more tolerable for the men of, of uh, Pompeii and Herculaneum than it will be for Pete Buttigieg. Because he's had a much better opportunity, probably, than what a lot of them had. Now, maybe some of them heard the gospel. They were that you know, Vesuvius erupted in 79 AD. So maybe some of them did have an opportunity to know. I, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, Pete Buttigieg claims to be a Christian. I mean, he, uh, he's, I, I believe he's an Episcopalian. Um, but you know he he he's a church member he he's he's in the church but but he's he's not of Christ he's not of Christ um yeah so you know this is what the bible has to say and this is as, as christians what we're called to do and this is something that the Coleridge used to to be uh, pretty strong on this i mean d james kennedy was was correct to call homosexuality a sin. He was not wrong about that. And yet you have, it's kind of interesting when I read through in, in, in like these two articles of the one from the Sun Sentinel and this, this statement from the mayor here, I didn't see anybody. I didn't see the current minister, Rob Pacienza. I did not see him stand up and defend D. James Kennedy. I did not see him say anywhere uh, that he disagreed with any of this stuff. In fact, I couldn't find one single public comment by him. Now, again, maybe I've missed something, you know, I, but I mean, I've, I, I did a, you know, I think a fairly thorough search and I couldn't find anything. I mean, and it, it appears that, that Corridge Presbyterian Church is, is quite happy just to, to let the name of D. James Kennedy be trashed because he took a correct stance on, uh, on homosexuality. And I think that that's sad. That that is very very sad, and it just goes to show you how far um, apparently that church has fallen. And it's not just uh, it's not just Corridge Presbyterian Church either. the The denomination of which it is a part, the Presbyterian Church in America, was known for a long time as the largest conservative Presbyterian church in the country. The PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America. We're not talking about the PCUSA. So if you're not a Presbyterian, you know, sometimes it can be hard. You know, you, I, I'm a pres, I'm Presbyterian, but I wasn't always. And, and I know years ago before I was a Presbyterian that I, I tended to lump them all together, you know, and, and you'd go and, and you'd look in the newspaper sometimes and you'd see, you know, these, some of these Presbyterian churches making this pretty obviously unbiblical, uh, unscriptural, unchristian pronouncements or engaging in various things. You'd say, well, you know, all those Presbyterians is just a bunch of nut jobs, socialist, you know, wackadoos. And, and I, I came later to find out, I was, I was very pleased to find this out. That I was actually wrong about that. And there are, there are Presbyterians who take, take the Bible very seriously and take the scriptures very seriously. 
And I, I didn't know that for a long time, but there really are. And it may come as a surprise to you because of, you know, I talked about don't be deceived by the media. Well, I mean, you know, the media reports a lot of the stuff. They, they report on the mainline Presbyterian Church, the PCUSA, which has been liberal since, oh, goodness, I guess back in the 1920s or 30s. Um, and there are, in fact, the, the Presbyterian Church of, of which I'm a member is part of the Bible Presbyterian Church. They split off from the mainline Presbyterian Church back in the 1930s over those reasons, over the reasons of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the liberalism that had taken over the mainline Presbyterian Church. Um, you know, and the PCA, you know, it's a conservative denomination. And the PCA, the Bible Presbyterian Church, that is, is a conservative denomination. The PCA is a much larger denomination, but they were also you know, pretty solid uh, biblically. And, uh, in fact, the, uh, the former uh, minister of my church uh, took a church in, uh, in Tennessee, uh, Patrick Hines. And, and that church in Tennessee was part of the, the PCA, but they have left the PCA. And the reason they left the PCA, I mean, I, I watch, he, he does a, a YouTube show. And by the way, if you, if you haven't uh, seen uh, Patrick Hines' work, uh, I'd, I'd highly recommend it to you. I think he's a, he's a fine preacher, and, and he's, a, he's a Christian man, and, and he's somebody who does a lot of very good work. Uh, and I would encourage you to listen to him. Um, he, is, uh, he, he loves the Lord, and, and he has, uh, he has uh, a very good understanding of the gospel, of justification by faith alone. So yeah, he's, he's someone I w- would definitely recommend uh, that you listen to if, if you haven't followed his work. Um, but I was listening to, he, he does a, typically does a, uh, a show on, on, on Wednesdays, I think he calls it the Pulpit Supplemental, but he was talking about the, the church, uh, where he is and, and why they, they, they elected to leave the PCA. And one of the reasons I know he mentioned was over the issue of homosexuality because the, the homosexual agenda has been growing and growing and growing within the PCA. And it's, it, it appears like it's getting stronger and not weaker. And, and it's, it's very disappointing to see the kind of reaction that, or really non-reaction out of the the senior minister, the senior, the the lead pastor, I guess is the the title that they use for him uh, at that church, and the fact that he does nothing to either defend the biblical stance of of uh, Corridge Presbyterian Church and D. James Kennedy in the past on the issue of homosexuality. In fact, he doesn't really say anything at all, and 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 he seems to be quite happy to meet with this this homosexual mayor and then get together in some kind of you know uh, let's get together and feel all right you know sing kumbaya kind of group with all of these other unbelievers, which is something specifically we're told not to do. We're told not to do this as Christians. We're we're, we're commanded not to do this. You know, and when we do these things, when we when we greet these kinds of people who uh, who do not bring the doctrine of Christ, when we invite them into our houses, we share in their sins. And and you know, God forbid that as Christians that we should share in the sin share in the sins of people who do not bring the the the, the doctrine of Christ. And when you try to justify homosexuality and say that this is a good thing, you're not bringing the doctrine of Christ. Um, that is sin, you know, and, and we need to call it that. Well, that's that's about all I had for this week. So, so thanks for uh, for listening. I know this is kind of a, a bit of a weighty topic, and and I wish I had something better to say. I, I really do. Um, but this is uh, this is a very serious problem, and and it's something that, at least in my own opinion, I, I've long thought that if persecution is ever going to come to Christians within the United States that I think it's going to come on the issue of homosexuality. It seems to be the leading candidate for that anyway. And, and the reason, I, I guess I would say, is twofold for that. Number one, the, the insistence of the homosexual lobby and increasingly the insistence of corporations, uh, of governments, of schools and universities, that everybody say all of this homosexual, transgender stuff, yeah, that, that, it's, that it's all great and awesome and wonderful. Um, and on the other hand, the very clear teaching of the Bible. I mean, the Christians as, as Christians were commanded not to do these things, not to engage in homosexual acts, and we're, we're commanded to preach the gospel to those who are lost in those circumstances. I mean, there's no third way. There's no way that we can—you we, can't finesse it. You can't nuance your way out of it. Um, you know, this is something that, that, that's very cut and dried. 
And it, it's going to come, I think, in the years ahead more and more. Um, I think there's going to be more and more conflict. And, and I think it's, you know, it, as, as Christians, you know, I, I think back on something. Um, you know, since we were talking a little bit about the ancient world, you know, uh, you, you may recall hearing about the Spartans, right? The Spartans in ancient Greece. And what were the Spartans famous for? Well, they were famous soldiers, of course, right? You know, there was, you know, 300, you know, the 300 Spartans there at, Philo- at Thermopylae, and they, they stood up against the, the million-man army or whatever it was from the, uh, from the Persians. And, and, you know, they, they were world famous for being the best soldiers. I mean, these guys really were good. There's no question about it. And, and I mean, they were hardcore. Uh, and just to give you an example of what I mean by hardcore, the uh, Spartan mothers used to tell their sons when they were, you know, training and, and growing up or that they would say, come back with your shield or on it. Come back with your shield or on it. So, so what did that mean? Well, in what they were saying is either either you go and and you fight bravely in battle and you win or you die trying but you don't turn tail and run because see in, in ancient warfare you know you think about the the way the the Greeks used to fight you know they they had the phalanx right you know they had a had a spear in their right hand and they had their their shield on their left hand and, and they go into battle well if if you're in a battle um and and say the one army started getting the better of the other you know the the natural you know probably for most of us the natural tendency would be to to throw down your your spear to throw down your shield and run as fast as you can and try to get out of there and save your life it was a disgrace to come back to sparta if you were a soldier without your shield because that meant you ran away you now come back with your shield or on it you know so either fight and win or die trying and and as as Christians, you know, we have a command that's that's actually not uh, not unlike that. You know, Jesus told his disciples to count the cost before they they followed him. You know, he you know he he gave a couple of examples. You know, he he said, uh, you know that that uh, he gave an example of say a man who wanted to sit down and build a tower. And, you know, that man first was, you know, should really do the due diligence to sit down and decide, well, do I have enough money to actually finish this tower before I start it? Otherwise, you know, you kind of get and you build it part of the way up and then you can't finish and everybody comes along and makes funny and says, ha, you know, he started this thing and he, he couldn't finish it. You know, what a choke artist. Um, and he also gave another example along those same lines, you know, where Jesus talked about a king, you know, who, you know, had to sit down and, and decide, you know, okay, you know, I got an army of 10,000 men, but my opponent, he's got 20,000 soldiers, and can I beat his 20,000 with my 10,000? And if not, he sues for peace. You know, so these, both of these men, you know, whether it's the tower builder or the king going, thinking about going to battle, they had to sit down and count the costs before they actually start doing it. And as Christians, we're called to do that. You know, because Jesus says, you know, it's going to be difficult. You're going to get persecution. You're going to have to take up a cross and follow me. You know, we're called, uh, you know, there's that famous example the Apostle Paul uses in Ephesians where he talks about, you know, put on the whole armor of God. You know, we've got that song, right? Uh, Onward Christian soldiers. Well, I mean, we're called into the, the army of Christ. And we're called to be faithful. You know, and, and we're not called to go in and turn tail and run every time things get a little bit tough. You know, and and right now as Christians, yeah, we're faced with a very aggressive uh, homosexual lobby, and we're called not to run away from that. We're told to put on the full armor of God, to use our sword, which is the word of God, and we're called to go out and to fight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not in our own strength. We're called to go fight out in His strength. You know, and that's the he he's our captain. He's the one to whom to whom we're called to look, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know because of the one we serve that our efforts are not going to be in vain. Now we don't always may not always get the result that we want, but we're called to go fight and we're called to be brave. You know, there's in the in Second Corinthians, I love it. I think it's right at the end of Second Corinthians. And I love the way the King James way the King James Bible translates this. It says, um, I think it says, quit ye like men, be strong. Now, we're called to be men. We're called to be men in battle. 
Okay, uh, and and, I, and in the Greek verb that you know, quit ye like men, you know, act like men. The 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 Greek verb there is is andridzomai, which I mean literally means in Greek, act like a man. You know, we we have that saying in English, act like a man or man up. You know, this kind of thing. Well, we're called to man up. You know, we're called to stand up and speak out against these people, whether you know anybody who's bringing false doctrine. Um, but you know this this issue of the homosexual lobby, uh, the homosexual agenda, is is pretty scary. I mean, it, it's a big tough opponent. But this is what we're called to deal with, and, and we know we can have the faith in Christ that we have the tools we need to to fight and to win. You know, and, and when I say win, I don't always know what that looks like. As I said, that may not necessarily be getting everything that we want every time. You know, I mean, sometimes we, you know, we, we might lose battles, but we're going to win the war. You know, but we have to stand strong in Christ, not on our own strength. We have to stand strong in him and to him we must look. So that's all I have here for today. So again, thanks for watching. I know this was a little bit longer than my, my usual podcast, but, uh, but I hope you found this interesting, and, and I, I hope it was encouraging to you as well. So and, until next time, may the Spirit of Truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word. Good night, everybody.